the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond, but at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Casey, could we get a little uh, a little inspiring music here? Oh. The New Colossus by Emma Lazarus. Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame, with conquering limbs astride from land to land, here at our sea-washed sunset gate shall stand a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning, and her name, Mother of Exiles. From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome, her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbor that twin cities frame. Keep ancient lands your story pomp, cries she with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore, send these the homeless, tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Man, that was beautiful. Did you write that? No, no. I, I wish uh, Emma Lazarus is not my pen name. But, ah, okay. But that is the um, that is the poem that adorns the Statue of Liberty. I thought it sounded familiar, Ben. <laughs> uh, Noel, have you visited the Statue of Liberty? Uh, you know, I, I, the, actually, the last time that I really saw the Statue of Liberty, relatively close, I was with you. We were in New York, and we were doing a thing for, like, Liberty Mutual. Oh, where that's we, where right. we had to <laughs> – Casey, super producer Casey Pegram – was there as well. We had to get get the shot so that it matched as close to those legit Liberty Mutual <laughs> ads that uh, that you'd see on on TV. That was deeply absurd. That, that was whole, yeah. That whole day. It was a whole deal. Yeah. Yeah. That was, was yeah. Was that the same? Uh, was that the same trip where we hunted down fake buildings? Yes, indeed. It was the same. Day. The very same. That's right. That was a whole the whole, a whole thing. What an adventure. No, but I actually did go up. You know, uh, you can go up inside and even go up to the torch. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if I made it that far when I was quite young, and I ended up with. 
a little model that you put together, you glue together of of uh, Lady Liberty herself. Yeah, yeah, I I feel you, man. I loved going into the Statue of Liberty. I'm a I'm a sucker for touristy kind of stuff. We live in Atlanta, and I still do touristy stuff here. I you go get, to the World of Coke just on a weekend. <laughs> it's been a while. It's mm-hmm. been a while. I wonder if it still has that uh, magic propagandistic appeal. I am pretty sure it does, and I'm pretty sure it still has the tasting room where you can oh, taste yeah. bad soda drinks Beverly. from across the world. The Italian ap- digestif. Yeah. Beverly. It's funny that you mentioned that I was just in Chicago uh, visiting, and I was treated to a quite disgusting uh, liqueur that is very <laughs> much a Chicago thing, a rite of passage. It's called Malort, and it is a bitter, bitter grapefruit liqueur. So I love the idea of, you know— gross things associated with the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to go somewhere in Scandinavia and try Sermstrong, you know. And the, the reason that we're mentioning New York is because today's episode concerns the origin story of the Statue of Liberty. And while we were looking into this off air, I was thinking about you guys. I wanted to ask you, Noel, and, and you, Casey, and you listeners, I do you have an Ellis Island story in your family's past? Like, in my family's admittedly murky history, uh, the best guess I can make is that we were here before Ellis Island, before the Statue of Liberty became a thing. But what about you guys? Yeah, I think it's the same with my family. It all comes back to uh, England. And so I think they probably made the trip over a little bit before Ellis Island got going. I don't really know anything about any kind of immigration um, stories about my family, but I know when I did my uh, Ancestry.com report, I was like 90% Scandinavian. Oh, yeah, yeah. You told Mm -hmm. me that. That's Mm -hmm. surprising. This thing, the Statue of Liberty, it's one of the most famous monuments in the United States. People from across the world uh, may not know very much about this country of ours, but they will likely recognize the Statue of Liberty. It's um, it's on the level of the Eiffel Tower. You know what I mean? In terms of its iconicism. Yeah, and also in terms of its creation, in fact. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Alexander. Oh, gosh, we're going to need some Casey on the case help with this one. Let me give it a shot, though. Um, Alexander Gustav Eiffel? Gustav Eiffel, yeah. Eiffel, okay. Casey, Casey on, the on the case. case. Yeah. Uh, he designed the in- interior, like the part that you, the things that hold up the outside, the uh, the sculpture part, and the steps and all that stuff that you can go up into in the Statue of Liberty. Um, the sculptor who designed the actual uh, exterior, the sculpture part, is uh, Frederic Auguste Bartholdi. Yes, that's correct. So let's travel back in time to the completion of the Suez Canal. As it was getting closer and closer to being finished in 1869, this French sculptor, Bartholdi, tries to convince the Egyptian government to let him build a sculpture. And he says, he walks into the room, he's, you know, it's a pitch meeting, right? Those never change. And he says, you guys, I've got this idea for a statue. It's going to be huge, literally and metaphorically. We're going to call it Egypt bringing light to Asia. Yeah, huge, because it's inspired by another huge statue, uh, huge even in the name itself, the Colossus of Rhodes, a colossal statue, um, which was the, also the inspiration for a quite famous uh, television sculpture. Similarly, the uh, the Titan of Bravos in, um, <laughs> yeah. in Game of Thrones. That's true. That's and absolutely right. Good it's reference. this massive uh, stone creation that stands astride the waterways entering the city of Rhodes, greeting visitors or 
scaring them away, depending on how you look at it. But the French version of this was meant to be much more of a welcoming experience. Right, right. And when we say the Statue of Liberty, as we know it today, was inspired by the Colossus of Rhodes, we mean that the sculptor was also following some of the specifications of the Colossus. The Colossus, uh, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, uh, was the tallest statue of that time. It was about 108 feet high, and that's around the height of the modern Statue of Liberty today, from feet to crown. But you see, what you may not know about the Statue of Liberty was that it was never originally meant to be in the U.S. He pitched it to Egypt first. Wait a minute. You say we just got the scraps, Egypt scraps, <laughs> sculpt, sculpture scraps? We got, the, we got the tweak. We got the reboot. Okay. So he says, I want a 90-foot tall statue of a woman clothed in Egyptian peasant robes, and she'll be holding a torch. This torch will also serve as a lighthouse to help guide ships into the canal. All right, so a little function in there with the form. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm on board. Unfortunately, although everybody agrees this is a good idea, negotiations break down over the price. And the leadership involved, they say, this is, this is way too expensive. We can't do this. So instead, they just build a lighthouse, the Port Said Lighthouse. And then any other large project gets delayed by the Franco-Prussian War. Mm. Because Bartoli, in, in addition to being a sculptor, serves as a major of the militia. So was this lighthouse bespoke in any way, Ben, or was it just a real run-of-the-mill lighthouse? It's bespoke, yeah. It's one of the most important landmarks in the city of Port Said. But is it cool looking? I mean, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. That's fair, but it's certainly not a beautiful, uh, robed uh, woman uh, extending a torch to the heavens. Right. With a crown. Right. Representing all that is good and pure in the world. Absolutely. Uh, They built that in 1869, that lighthouse. And as the war, the Franco-Prussian War continues, Napoleon III is captured and deposed. Bartoli's home province of Alsace is lost to the Prussian forces and a liberal republic or a more liberal republic is installed in France. And for a while, Bartoli has been planning a trip to the United States, and he and his partner decide that now the time is right. So they go across the pond, and in June of 1871, Bartoli crosses the Atlantic with some letters of bona fides, uh, some letters of introduction, and he starts looking for a place to stick this statue. Yeah, and and here's the thing. Um, You know, immigration has been a hot-button issue ever since the founding of our country. It's like, do we we take whoever wants to come and breathe free and all that, or do we draw some lines and uh, be a little more choosy? And obviously that's something that's very much alive today, maybe even uh, more so than it has been in quite some time. Um, But the argument for having some sort of symbol of, you know— receiving immigrants with open arms was certainly one being made at the time. And so it was kind of good timing that this particular statue was uh, proposed. Yeah, and he also, for the record, uh, tweaked his pitch a little bit. He wasn't building exactly the same statue. He was making these different sketches. He was figuring out how he would pitch this to the Americans and he decided to, what would the corporate term be? He decided to pivot. 
He decided to pivot from this depiction of an Egyptian woman uh, that he described as a freed Egyptian slave, and he changed the concept to Libertas, a robed woman, the goddess of free slaves in ancient Rome, a more universally understood symbol of freedom, at least according to National Park Service ranger Danielle Simonelli. And this happens right after the Civil War. It could have torn the country apart, but it came out of this traumatic event with more liberty than they had had previously. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts of a spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know. I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, Bonnevilles. Right? Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I I said El Camino (laughs) and I meant Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, 
Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So at this point, everybody seems on the same page. And he starts wondering where they would construct this statue. He zeroes in on a place called Bedloe's Island, now, spoiler alert, named Liberty Island. And he does this because... He is gobsmacked by the fact that ships arriving in New York all have to sail past this island. So any ship that's arriving is going to see this statue. It seems like the best place to put it. Who knows? Maybe he was thinking Brooklyn instead and changed his mind. There was another fantastic side benefit to locating the statue on this island. It was owned by Uncle Sam. It had been ceded by the New York State Legislature in 1800 for harbor defense. This makes it land, in his opinion, common to all the states. So he begins meeting a lot of New York VIPs, you know, and he even meets the president, Ulysses S. Grant. And Ulysses S. Grant says, hey, man, good idea. It's not going to be tough for us to get that site for the statue. And he begins a tour pitching this idea and getting popular support from people of note and people with um, the financial wherewithal to donate to the cause. He actually crosses the U.S. twice on rail. And the entire time he's on this tour, essentially, this promo circuit, he is searching for people that he thinks will be down with the project. Now, at this point in the story, some of us listening are saying, hey, guys, hey, 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 hang on. The Statue of Liberty, wasn't that a gift? Didn't France just give it to the United States? What's all this about fundraising? Well, it was very gets interesting because the statue itself did become a gift from France to celebrate the Franco-American Union, and that was in large part due to the efforts of La Bollier, right? Edward de La Bollier. Um, he was a French political thinker um, and a fan and an expert of the U.S. Constitution and also himself an abolitionist. And he uh, ultimately proposed that the monument be gifted to the United States from France to commemorate um, the preservation of freedom and democracy and um, to – memorialize the work of Abraham Lincoln and his uh, freeing of the slaves, which uh, goes in line with some of the original intent of mm -hmm. the statue and it having been an Arab uh, slave woman. Right, which is, which is amazing. But they still had to raise money because the statue itself is the gift, right? But the statue doesn't come with the pedestal. They have to build something to base the statue upon. It's, it's sort of like... Um, 
Have you guys seen those talk shows? This used to happen a lot in the 1990s. Talk shows where everybody in the audience wins a big prize or someone wins. Oprah is probably the most famous example. On one episode of the Oprah show, if I recall correctly, she gives everyone in the audience a car. Of course. But the problem is when you get the car, you also have to pay taxes on the car. My favorite is the one where she gives everyone in the audience killer bees. I, I was thinking of that same gif, yeah. That's a good one. And here's the thing. La Boulay uh, was, who was a huge fan of the Constitution and the United States and the efforts of Abraham Lincoln in freeing the slaves. Because, um, you know, the French are all about revolution, as we know, and liberté, this notion of individual freedom and, uh, you know, self-determination. So this guy, who was a political thinker, um, was already known uh, to Bertoldi, or vice versa, rather. He knew Bertoldi because he had commissioned him to do a sculpture or like a bust of him, or it had, he had been commissioned. So they kind of joined forces and were able to get the ball rolling on this statue as a joint venture between French and the United States. Like you said, Ben, they already had the site picked out. Uh, they had to raise some money to build that platform, Right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, they were off to the races. Yes, yes. So let's talk a little bit about the construction and the erection of the statue. So Bartoli goes back to France in 1877, and he's concentrating on completing the head of the statue. He makes enough progress uh, to exhibit it at the 1878 Paris World's Fair. Models of the statue were put on sale to help with fundraising mm-hmm. in, in France. And they even sold tickets to view the construction activity at the workshop where this was being built. The French government even greenlit a lottery. Some of the prizes were things like a silver plate or a terracotta model of the statue. And by the end of 1879, they have raised about 250,000 francs. So... Noel, you had mentioned earlier uh, that the same guy who built the Eiffel Tower helped create, Gustave Eiffel, right, Mm -hmm. Um, helped create this statue. He decided to do some pretty innovative things. He opted not to use a completely rigid structure because it would force stresses to accumulate in the skin of the statue and eventually lead to it cracking. He created one of the earliest examples of what's called curtain wall construction. That's where the exterior of a structure is not load-bearing, and instead it's supported by this internal framework, a skeleton. Which is also why it matters. You need a you need an architect and a sculptor. This thing is literally a, an inhabitable structure. I mean, you wouldn't live there, but you can, it certainly has to – it's massive, and it has mm-hmm. to have the uh, same care uh, taken that you would in building a skyscraper, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and – they also changed their minds about the the structural material. They were originally just going to rely on masonry, but when they changed the construction materials to iron, this allowed the sculptor to change his plans for the assembly of the statue. Originally, he thought they would assemble this skin on site, on the island. But once the materials changed, he decided to build the statue in France and then have it disassembled and transported to the U.S. to be reassembled on the island. So we're building a thing. We're taking it apart. We're literally putting it in crates on ships. And then we're sailing back across the Atlantic. We're unpacking everything. And we're going to start putting it back together. Yikes. This, yeah, this is complicated. This it is sounds way, like it. way beyond Ikea. For sure. 
And also, I mean, there's got to be something of a, of a language barrier. There would have to be some uh, interpreters involved. This is, it really is a joint effort. I'm wondering who, who were the builders, mm-hmm. like the actual folks doing the work. It had to have been local people from New York, right? They weren't bringing people over from France to actually do the work. Yeah, excellent, excellent question. So in France, they're using artisans and craftsmen under Bartoli's direction, and they're they're building it piecemeal. You know, the head, the shoulders, the arm holding the torch. They don't just start at the feet and work their way up. To your question, Noel, about the um, the people who were in New York helping construct and reassemble this statue, uh, we find a little bit of what would you call it? Synchronicity, big time. Yeah, they were already uh, newly arrived immigrants. Because, again, New York was known for that. It was this port city, um, and it was this kind of gateway to the United States for people that were trying to come and start new lives. And they already had this opportunity to get some gainful employment by building this massive thing that was a symbol of what they represented in the first place, which Mm -hmm. I think is really interesting. Mm -hmm. And there's another employee that maybe doesn't get mentioned as often as they should in the story of the Statue of Liberty's construction. It's the model for the statue. That's right. It was a real person. It's a real person. Not only is it a real person, but it is one of the best Mother's Day gifts ever. Frederick Bartholdi uses his mother, Charlotte, as the model for the statue. What a good son. What a sweet boy. I mean, that is an enduring image, you know, that is going to be around for a long, long time. Uh, Man. His mother must have really loved him. Or who knows? Maybe they had a really horrible cantankerous relationship and he was just trying to make nice. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, either way, she is now uh, she is now the inspiration for the most recognized statue in the world. Immortalized. Yeah. yeah, immortalized. Perfect word. And this was first discovered in 1876. Bartholdi invited a French senator named Jules Bozerian to watch the opera with him. He had a box at the opera house. And when the senator pulls back the curtain to step into the box, he's freaking out because it looks like the Statue of Liberty is a real-life person sitting in that box. It's Charlotte. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. (laughs) That is wild, Ben. But here's the thing. Um, This is interesting. I didn't know this at all until we started looking into this. Uh, Bertoldi held on to, like, the rights to the image of the Statue of Liberty for quite some time. Um, And then eventually that copyright that he held ran out like they tend to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, there opened the doors to duplicate Statues of Liberty. Here we go. Yeah. (laughs) So, yes, yes, this is a very important point. He obtained a patent on the Statue of Liberty, and it didn't run out for, what, 14 years? Mm Mm-hmm. The the patent itself, the description, uh, verges on the poetic uh, when when we're describing the statue. It's, it's, quote, a statue representing liberty enlightening the world, the same consisting, essentially, of the draped female figure with one arm upraised, bearing a torch, while the other holds an inscribed tablet and having upon the head a diadem. Which I, I love the phrase, the word diadem. We don't use that very often. No, what is it? It's almost like a tiara, right? Yeah, it's like a crown, uh-huh. right? Yeah. 
Um, so that's right. It did. Uh, it did run out. And now we have uh, copycat Statues of Liberty all around the world. We have them in Tokyo, Norway, Brazil, Vegas, baby. You yep. know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, of course, replicas of them that you can get and little models that you can glue together. I have a cutout cardboard one that's sort of like a, a – you can assemble and little punch little holes and connect the pieces together. Um, so it's, you know, it's – it's everywhere. Do you have a secret treasure trove of Statue of Liberty memorabilia? No, I just have the two. <laughs> That'd be cool, though. I know. Maybe that could be. Maybe that could be a new hobby. Snag a job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over six million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? 
Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avala Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Oh, you know what we should mention? The Statue of Liberty is not the official name. That's just the nickname. That's right. The real name was, at least Bartoldi's name for it, was Liberty Enlightening the World. But according to the Statue of Liberty Encyclopedia, this statue has a ton of nicknames. We can go through a couple. One is Everybody's Gal, which I had not heard. Have you, you heard that one? Everybody's Gal, no. G-A-L. Uh, America's Freedom, America's Great Lady, Aunt Liberty. Lady Liberty. Lady Liberty, yeah. Uh, Grand Dam. Green Goddess, not to be confused with the dressing. Uh-huh. <laughs> Giant Goddess. The Lady Higher Up. Lady on a Pedestal. Lady with a Torch. Mother of Exiles, which is, again, very Game of Thrones. That's right. And the list of names goes on. Saint Liberty. Giant Goddess, which I think is a little bit heavy-handed. But, you know, it is a, an enormous statue, so I guess they've earned that. So let's fast forward to... The afternoon of October 28, 1886, President Grover Cleveland, who was also the former governor of New York, presided over the dedication ceremony. The good old-fashioned New York ticker tape parade. Yes, yes, the very same. It's a huge parade. Estimates, uh, estimates tell us that anywhere from several hundred thousand people to a million people showed up to be a part of history on that day. And... President Cleveland headed the procession, and then he stood in, you know, the reviewing stand to watch bands and marchers from all across the country. The route begins at Madison Square, where they once housed just the arm, and then it proceeds to the battery at the southern tip of Manhattan via Fifth Avenue and Broadway with a slight detour so the parade can pass in front of the World Building on Park Row. And as people, as, as the parade was passing, particularly the New York Stock Exchange, traders leaned out of the windows and started throwing ticker tape, beginning the tradition of the ticker tape parade. Seriously. This is the first one. What? That's fantastic. Um, yeah, it's true. And uh, around seven years, this is this is around seven years after he had originally patented his invention. Uh, he has an invention. I love that idea. It's mm-hmm. not a work of art. It's like an it's it's considered an invention because I guess it's functional because mm-hmm. it has the lighthouse qualities to it. Um, that is when Bertoldi stood aloft uh, himself up on the statue's face and released this giant French flag um, into the cheering crowd of like a million New Yorkers who were looking on. And here's, here's one of the weird parts about this. So there are a bunch of speeches, right? The first speech is on behalf of the French committee. The second speech is going to, is supposed to be by the chairman of the New York committee, a guy named Senator William M. Everts. And at this point, he's he's supposed to do the speech, right? And then at the end of the speech, they're supposed to let the 
the flag drop. But Bartoldi, we can only imagine how nervous he is. This has been years in the making, right? Bartoldi has bad timing because Everts has a pause in his speech. And Bartoldi's like, oh, it's go time. And so he lets the flag drop in the middle of this guy's speech. And the crowd goes wild. And the senator, we can only imagine, has to like, you know, throw up his hands and exit the scene because you can't keep talking when people are seeing this statue unveiled for the first time. So eventually, President Cleveland comes up and he says, quote, the statue's stream of light shall pierce the darkness of ignorance, a man's oppression until liberty enlightens the world. They ask Bartoldi to speak. They're like, hey, speech, speech, speech. And he says, no. My work speaks for itself. There we go. That's a move. By the way. Yes. How come people don't name their kids Grover anymore? There's someone out there. There may be a Grover listening with us today. Oh, well, hey, let us know. Is your name Grover? Right in. Mm. Do you know a Grover? Do you know a Grover? <laughs> have you hugged a Grover today? <laughs> and, and let us know uh, if you have Ellis Island in your family's past and what their experience was like. There are so many different things that we could explore in the story of the Statue of Liberty. But for our purposes today, I think the thing that surprised both of us was that this came pretty close to not being an American thing at all. That's true. That was the hook of today's episode. <laughs> Which we, we sort of got rid of in the front. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we do. We got to have a ridiculous hook, and then it's just an excuse to talk about some cool history stuff. <laughs> there we go. There we go. A reason, maybe. Exactly. Always, always a reason. Um, but I enjoyed this very much. Do you want to, should we do a little listener mail? We haven't done that in a minute. Yeah, it's been a while. Let's give it a go. Cool. Yes, the return of listener mail. Our first email today comes from Kimberly M. Kimberly M. says, Hi, guys. I'm a big fan and came across a topic recently that I'm dying to hear you discuss. Get this, Noel. Trial by ordeal. You've heard of this, right? Yeah, it's like feats of strength during Festivus. <laughs> so... Uh, so Kimberly says, this is the practice of proving one's innocence of an accused crime by participating in a dangerous or painful task and either avoiding injury altogether via the intercession of a deity or to heal well from the injuries incurred. These trials occurred across the world, ranging from burning to boiling to drowning to poisoning. The list goes on. It really boggles the mind that one would have to submit to torture to keep one's good name. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Here's hoping Kimberly M. That's a cool idea. I think it's possible that we should just do one as an episode. Where just do a trial by ordeal? Where, yeah, we just expose ourselves to some sort of horrific task um, yeah. individually and see who comes out on top. Like put, put our fist in boiling oil or volunteer Casey to do that on our behalf. Yeah, he could be our champion. Casey, are you cool with that? Absolutely not, no. Okay, that sounded like a yes. Well, whatever. We have to rewind the tape on that. (laughs) Well, whatever it was, it was definitely Casey on the case. He's a problem solver. Mm -hmm. He's solution-oriented. Thanks so much for writing in with that fantastic idea, Kimberly. Uh, I I think we put it on the queue. We'll see about actually doing a trial. That's fair. Uh, I have one here from Sawyer G. She says, hey, guys, I love your show, and I was listening to one from a little bit ago about the casual cannibalism during the 16th and 17th century. During the episode, I was hashtag shook when you started to describe the way old Arabian men would allow themselves to be mummified alive, basically by honey. And then after a century— 
that mixture was used as a cure-all type of medicine. The reason I was hashtag shook wasn't because of the nature of that validly weird ritual, but because of a song on one of my favorite albums. The song is called Sweet Bod by Lemon Demon, and the song is about taking a corpse, leaving it in a tomb of honey, and then a hundred years later using it as a product to sell to housewives with headaches. I always loved the song because it was such a strange and unique concept. I often thought to myself, huh, how did he make this up? Then, as I was sitting down listening to your episode and the same process came up, uh, my jaw hit the floor. It's more of a coincidence for me, but I thought you guys might want to check out the song because it's incredible and up your collective alley. The whole album is a concept album where ancient aliens and any conspiracy of the like ends up being true. And then she gives a Spotify link and it turns out the guy responsible for the Lemon Demon is Neil uh, Siriga? C.C. Rega is what I say in my head. I have no idea. Okay, got it. Casey on the case. He has a an amazing uh series of albums that Casey turned us on to called Mouth Sounds. It's sort of like a ridiculous, <laughs> yeah. hilarious kind of girl talk mashup thing. A lot of it uses All Star by Shrek uh, and uh, mashes up different kind of like 90s songs mm-hmm. like Ants Marching by Dave Matthews Band with like you know, all kinds of different stuff. It's hilarious and a lot of fun to listen to. Lemon Demon is much more of like a weird 80s-tinged, like, lounge kind of record mm-hmm. uh, with a little bit of horror theme. And it's very true. He does have a song about this concept that you found, Ben, that we talked about in the uh, Casual Cannibalism episode. The Mellified Man. That's the one. Yes, yes. No proven case of one has been found yet. But is there somewhere in the world in a dusty sepulcher a, a person who has been mellified? I don't know if it would be a world-changing event to find one, but it would be so very, very cool. And you have to ask yourself, without getting too far into the ethics involved, you have to ask yourself, would you take a nip of, you know, corpse honey? Yeah, sort of like tapping the admiral. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Uh, If so, let us know. Or if you've actually run into this in real life, if you've seen a mellified man, I will get on the plane tomorrow. I would really want to see one in real life. You can write to us at ridiculous at howstuffworks.com or you can check out our Facebook group, Ridiculous Historians, where all kinds of memory is afoot pretty much around the clock. Yes, and you can also see our uh, personal adventures and misadventures on our own Instagram accounts. I'm at Ben Bolin. And I am at Embryonic Insider. As always, massive thanks to our super producer, Casey Pegram, um, our research associate, Gabe, and uh, Alex Williams, who composed our theme. Mm-hmm. And hey, Noel, thanks to you uh, for coming by today because a lot of people, I don't want to put you on the spot, a lot of people don't know it, but this guy woke up at 4.30 in the morning and flew in from a different state to do this show. Boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> but it's but it's great exercise. It's really good for your core. It's true. And there's nowhere I'd rather be than right here uh, with all of you folks. We will see next time. Talk to you soon. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. 
True story, the intimate ships of Avalon waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. 